This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review safe sex, designer drugs, and the death of rock and roll by Baby Chaos. There's like a missing element for me on this record. I, I can put it on and it's gone in a half hour. It makes it sound full, but it's not very interesting. I liked what I was hearing. I didn't fall in love with it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, on tonight's episode, I don't want to shock you, but we have a listener suggestion. Actually, we have a suggestion by three different people. Really? Yeah. Three different people suggested we check out this band. And, um... Wow. Yeah, that's... I don't think that's ever how happened. Did we, how do we miss this band and have three people recommend it well not only how did we miss this band because three people recommended it but we are both fans of the band that came after this band did you know that did not okay so we are going to through the band (laughs) yeah we're going to talk about baby chaos and their album safe sex designer drugs and the death of rock and roll easily the longest title of any album that we have reviewed. Uh, this was suggested by Norman Fraser, Dimitri Dumitri, and Alex Gibson. So, three frequent contributors. Now, there's a reason why I picked this album that piqued my interest, and we're going to get to it, as Jay just mentioned, in the history of the band. History of the band. So, Baby Chaos formed in the early 90s, I don't have a specific date, uh, in Glasgow. By Chris Gordon on vocals and guitar, Grant McFarlane on guitar and vocals. They then added Bobby Dunn on bass and Davy Greenwood on drums. They played their first show as Baby Chaos in February of 93 and later that year signed to East West Records. Their first album, which I mentioned, Safe Sex, Designer Drugs, etc., etc., was released in November of 1994 in the UK, and the following June in the United States. So they were on tour in the United States. Uh, Specifically, they were in Philadelphia, PA, and their drummer, Davy Greenwood, collapsed on stage. He was replaced by Jesus Jones drummer, uh, Jen Matthews, for, I don't know if it was just for that tour or if it was for a while, but eventually Greenwood would return to the band. Uh, They would record and then release their second album, Love Yourself Abuse, in the UK in 1995, or later in the US. The following year, Greenwood permanently left the band and was permanently replaced by then-former Jesus Jones drummer Jen Matthews. So they're off of their second album, which we're not reviewing, maybe someday, Love Yourself Abuse. They did have a video that did get some play. It was on, uh, you know, like 120 Minutes or Late at Night or Alternative Nation, whatever it was on at that time. And it was for the song Hello, and it featured a young actress named Kelly McDonald, who had just been in a movie called Trainspotting. You might know her from the, the TV show Boardwalk Empire. She is Mrs. Thompson. Hmm. Jay, are you a Boardwalk Empire watcher? Uh, I watched season one. So you know who Mrs. Yeah, she's kind of, I don't know, simple. Mm -hmm. Well, we're in season three now, and that's not the case anymore. Yeah. 
So in, in 1998, Baby Chaos changed the name of the band to Deckard. They released oh, okay. two albums uh, in 2000, Stereo Dream Scene, and in 2004, Dreams of Dynamite and Divinity. A B-Sides album and then a separate Rarities and Unreleased album have been released for Baby Chaos uh, digitally. And in May of 2012, the band announced they were rehearsing for new gigs, partially because the Wild Hearts asked them to open some shows. And that is the history of Baby Chaos. So that, Jay, is why this is a band that we should have figured out at some point, because you and I are both fans of that first Deckard album, Stereo Dream Scene. I think you picked that up somewhere. Um, do you remember I, where? where? I, 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 You know what? To be honest, I don't remember what they sound like. <laughs> I do have the album. I remember listening to it, but God, I don't, I don't even remember what they See, sound I think, like. I think they were in one of those UK publications, either like Enemy or Melody Maker back in 2000. Yeah. And I think that you picked that up, that album used while we were on the road touring as yeah. a band. Like you either got it in like at Ear Ecstasy in Louisville or yeah. in that Bowling Green at Finders or something like that. Like it was out yeah. on the road and you were like, hey, here's that band. We tossed it in the stereo. <laughs> Wow, that was one I haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah, and it actually it prompted me to go back and listen to that Deckard album uh, one time through before doing this show, uh, mm-hmm. just to hear the comparison between the two bands. So, before we move on, I want to mention that if you want to suggest a band for review, we do have our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Visit that for all the information on requesting a band for our upcoming season in 2013. Uh, we didn't have any Facebook feedback. We had some likes, but no uh, verbiage to put towards this particular episode. So we're going to get right into the review. Jay, you don't remember Deckard. They don't. They didn't stick in your brain, and you haven't listened to them in a while. I mean, vaguely. But vaguely. Yes. Nothing specific. So, standing on their own, what was Baby Chaos? Were they a mess, or were they organized yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with a play off of that word. <laughs> just like the album where you didn't... What's going on? Was it full-grown chaos or just... Baby chaos. In, there you go. Infant chaos. Or just baby chaos. Oh, this is a band that, you know, I want to like a lot more than I think I do right now. And I've been thinking, trying to break down why that is. Um, you know, usually uh, when that's my response, it comes down to songwriting. And I don't necessarily think that's the case here I, you know, I think, you know, going through the, the material, I think there's a lot of strong material here. I don't necessarily think it's that. And when I break down the sound of the band, there's a lot here that I do like. Uh, you know, guitar tone's kind of crunchy. The vocal is, um, you know, mostly about delivering the melody. The drums and bass, you know, nothing groundbreaking there. Just keeping down a solid rock rhythm. You've got some tempo shifts, um, which keep it interesting. But there's just this missing, there's like a missing element for me on this record that some of these songs that uh, start off really promising just don't quite, the sound of the band just can't quite deliver on, say, a chorus or, or a hook or really getting a, uh, conveying a strong emotion. Um, there's a I couple want to throw a word at you. 
Yeah, go ahead. Sterile. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple points in this record where he'll reach down and get kind of guttural with his voice and just let it break, you know, and scream. And it really grabbed me, you know, in, in those moments. I was like, God, I wish he did that more. Or I wish I wish there was a second guitar that kind of just did something interesting or kind of every once in a while just went over the top. Or um, I noticed something they do quite a bit on here that's I have a struggle with is, is the way that they do harmonies. Um, there's a couple points they do them in the verse where it really works. And the thing that's strange about them is that I think the second har- the harmony part is lower. So there's, you know, there's like a mi- middle, uh, middle range voice, mid range voice is the lead. And then the harmony is like low. And in a verse that kind of can work, especially if there's some space there where you can hear it, but they also do it in the choruses. And well, it's nothing like, you know, I think just, you know, an average person listening to this, you may not you're not going to be like thrown off by it or anything, but it doesn't elevate the chorus. It doesn't like allow it to separate from the verse. Sometimes you kind of lose the extra vocal in there. And there's just some key like little things that I think bands that kind of do this style of music, they bring one of those elements to it. You know, maybe it's a drummer that kind of just does some really interesting things and kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, has a little bit of more character to him, or like I said, maybe it's a singer, maybe it's a guitar player. There's another element there, and this band is just, I think they're just missing that that extra piece. What do, what do you think? I'm with you in that I liked what I was hearing, but I wasn't, I didn't fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. It didn't really ever connect with me on an emotional level, like you're saying. And it sounded like a band, I mean, this is their first album, it's short, which is good, but in some ways, like they didn't take a lot of chances. And maybe yeah. if they had taken a few chances, some of the songs are almost too concise. Where maybe it would have been cool to throw in a crazy guitar solo, like a Matthew Bellamy style, Muse style, you know, insane guitar solo. Or, you know, there's just, you're, you're, you hear the talent. There's definitely talent in both. The songwriting and in the playing, but it's just not quite there. It's like, ooh, it's technically it's good. Yeah. But I just needed something to push it just a little bit more. And he's even like, he's doing interesting things, you know, vocally and, and or I mean, lyrically, uh, just on the first song. Yeah. It's called Sperm, which I'm pretty sure in the annals of rock and roll, <laughs> there are. Very few songs, if any, called Sperm. And none of them have ever opened an album before. Oh, track two is Saliva, which makes track it even two more is, appetizing. Yes. It's much more than you gave me.
So they're clearly, and from what I read about the album, the reason why the album is called Safe Sex, Designer Drugs, and Death Rock and Roll, all these songs are about sex or drugs. Yeah. Which is fine. That's pretty much the history of rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, but they approach it from a weird angle on some of these songs that can be a little off putting. Um, And then combined with, you know, like I mentioned, the word sterile, some of it just sounds a little too clean. Um, Yeah. Even like when they're getting a little heavy, like track two on Saliva has a very like metal guitar riff to open it. And track seven. It's mid tempo and it has like almost like a tool rhythm to yeah. the to the playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- th- that doesn't fit them at all. That's, no, it it sounds out of place. That's where the album for me just uh, with tracks one through six. I get there's like this mix of like cheap trick and then alt rock kind of stuff going on that I that I get, and then track seven they go into doing this like metal ish tool like song, and I'm like. Whoa totally lost at that point where this band is going. kind of go to a ballad and they never quite you know um recover after that hello victim track five is you know i could totally hear especially those verses they're so melodic i could totally mm-hmm. hear you know robin zander singing that then they get to the chorus and there's just it's not bad it's just you just i don't know it doesn't like grab you you know what i mean it doesn't uh, move you or make you want to sing along you're just right. kind of like okay you know you kind of shrug your shoulders and you're like there's nothing offensive about it. <laughs> it's no. kind of bland. And the, the 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 sound of the records, particularly the guitars. I mean, for 1994, I would have guessed this album was later. I get. Uh, I, I would guess. Yeah, I thought too. It doesn't have that like uh, you know that early to mid 90s kind of like you know fuzzed out guitar sound, or it's so crisp and so. It's almost more of an 80s 80s or early 2000s guitar sound where it's you know very overdriven very crunchy very compressed um and i think he's just like double tracking all his guitar parts which you know it i guess from a makes it sound full but it's not very interesting you know it's the same you can tell it's the same person playing the same part right it doesn't have that extra layer of interest to it that it desperately needs i wish i I wish the, the guitar was like 
more snarly and kind of unpredictable and just, you know, ragged or if they're going to be crisp like this, that there would be another one there to kind of add some interest. Another, a a band, well, two bands that sort of were bouncing around in my head when I was listening to this. One is a a band that we reviewed last season is Marion. They sound like Marion, but like with a little bit of like punk or glam mixed in. Marion was yeah. very straight ahead, very, you know, there wasn't a sense of humor to the to their playing or, or to, the, to the lyrics, um, or there wasn't really a swagger to it, or this has yeah. much more of a swagger, but it has the same energy that that band had. And then uh, in terms of the compactness of a lot of the songs, it reminded me of the Vines. Yeah, um, yeah. In the, in the way that they could write a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and get out in under yeah. two minutes. Like Track one is very similar to uh, Get Free by The Vines. There's even a guitar riff in there that's very reminiscent of it. The, yeah. There's like a pitch pitch bend kind of guitar riff. Like the, you know what I mean? It's it, exactly like that song. And say what you will about The Vines and, and him, you know, aping Kurt Cobain. It's still a good single. Get Free is still a really good oh, single, yeah. and it's got a memorable hook. And you hear that guy pushing his vocal absolutely to the edge. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the thing that just, it just doesn't go go far enough with the vocal in terms of, I don't expect everybody to scream on every song because I don't necessarily like that. But no. when the music calls for it, you got to like put a little bit more energy into it. And then so when I went back and listened to Deckard, they reined this in. Like they went, they added a more Radioheadish mm-hmm. sound to it, which I think fits him a little bit better. Yeah. So maybe you know, it's their first album, and it's their, you know, they're a little bit younger, and it takes them, you know, six seven years to figure out what they actually should be doing. And it's, for nineteen ninety four, this is pretty different, right? Yeah. I mean, there, I think there were some bands later, like. 98 ish that were and even even in the 2000s that were sort of you know in this ballpark i'm thinking of like czar and king adora and you know none of them that were commercially successful or even the vines i mean you know that was later early 2000s late 90s um there's uh, you know some other bands that tried to do similar things but they were way after this so for that time i kind of give them credit for at least um, you know, being fairly unique within, but still staying within the hard rock, you know, pop, hard rock, alt rock genre. And it's unique for, you know, these guys were from Scotland. And I don't think of Scottish bands as being as, as glam and, and power pop slash metal influenced yeah. as as this band is. It's It's a very unique sound not just for this time but for that area in the early 90s have you seen any pictures of them well i've seen the video that we posted for the friday preview and they were kind of glammy you know like wow in the same way that like uh i mean that's the peak of not you know nothing like that would be remotely cool i mean that was the peak time well you know you know we mentioned I, I, eventually we're going to review an album of theirs. We mentioned the Manic Street Preachers a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think back to that first 
those first two Manic Street Preachers albums, and there was a a metalish glam element to what they were doing on those first couple albums. I guess you know I'm I'm taking American you know a U.S. American centric view on that. Maybe in Europe it wasn't as as harshly uh, looked down on as it was here. You know maybe in, in Europe it was a little bit soft and you know the attitude was a little bit more accepting of you know pushing that the glam idea a little bit more. I mean here it was just completely unacceptable. Well, right, because <laughs> you, know? you also got to think about the early '90s. You had like. In the UK, the the bigger bands. I, I'm sorry if I'm in, if I'm wrong for our UK listeners, but you all said like the Stone Roses were big and Happy Mondays. You yes. you were just getting to the point where some Britpop bands like Oasis and Suede and Pulp and Blur were all getting their first albums out. So yeah, they didn't have like the dour grunge movement combined with. You know, like Nine Inch Nails, industrial stuff yeah. um, that was going on in like 92 through 94. I'm sure there the was an influence, but... came out in 92, and at that point, I mean, even like, you know, Guns N' Roses was still touring, and right. they, you know, Nirvana was just starting to happen, and then by 94, they were under the Holy Bible, which was a little bit more, a little less glam. Was it that quick that the Holy Bible came out? Yeah, wow. it's 92, Generation Terrorist, 93, Gold Against the Soul, and 94, Holy Bible. I thought there was more. I, wow, I can't believe they did those three albums three in a row in yeah. three years. No wonder yeah. Richie James went insane and disappeared. <laughs> disappeared. That's Quarter. a lot. Of, that's a heavy heavy load to carry for those three records. Mm. Yeah, we will eventually, because we talk about them probably in every other podcast, we should probably eventually get to a Max Street Preachers album. I think yes. it's been suggested, actually. Uh, we will get there eventually. Trust us. We just we hate to um, we hate to have to review the stuff that you're so personally invested in. It's hard to it's hard to dis- yeah. disassociate your yeah, your feelings. It breaks our. We're not going to pick albums that we both love, so we can just you know talk right for an hour about how smart we are and awesome we are that we love the album. Right, exactly. Uh, but it seems to be so. I think it's that band is, you know obscure in america still oh yeah today and it probably fits the whole format so and we so, keep bringing it up <laughs> in terms of a u.s audience baby chaos clearly in 94 this was not fitting in this is this is a little bit outside of like we said what was happening with the explosion of seattle with you know allison chains stone temple pilots Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, uh, all those bands. You hadn't even hit, really hit the second wave, I don't think, of uh, of a lot of those bands. Although, when was the Bush album out? Because that's basically, I think, kicks off a lot of the the secondary. Yeah, it's about that time. But um, was it ninety four, ninety five? I don't even yeah, remember. I think so. We we covered the, the Bush on the Compulsion episode, I believe. But they, it came out right around the compulsion, the time the compulsion album did. Yeah. Which, in in retrospect, that compulsion album is actually not that far off from this. I don't think. Maybe you'll disagree with me. But you know, it's oh. yeah. I mean, lyrically, it's way more interesting than this. I mean, that's another thing about this album that lyrically and even from a you know sort of rhyming 
melodic standpoint, uh, it's almost it's painfully predictable at times. It, it borders the line of like becoming a problem, but they just kind of, for me, the edge of I forgive it usually. You know, he'll deliver. I, I know what line's coming. He delivers it. I'm like, oh, it's okay, I guess. <laughs> you know, whereas right. I think that compulsion stuff is way more original when it comes to that. So here's my dilemma in 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 rating this album, whether I'm giving it to worthy album, uh, uh, a an EP or just a decent single. I don't mind listening to it. It's fine. It's I, I can put it on and it's gone in a half hour. Yeah. But I don't know that I really love any song on here. Yeah. So like as background rock music, sure yeah. it's fine. It's a fine album. But if you yeah. had told me like I have to pick out particular songs I, I like buzz i think that's a cool mid-tempo-ish glam rocky kind of song uh i like the dynamics of go to hell Slow build yep. at the beginning of the song, and it gets real loud. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's, the, there's much more beyond that, though, that I really like. Want to go back and listen to? Yeah, you. I'm with you. It's it's a tough one in, in terms of that. Like when you're trying to really take a side one way or the other, it's it's sort of just middle of the road rock music. Uh, it doesn't offend me, but it also doesn't excite me either. Um, I'm with you on a lot of the material. Go to Hell is sort of uh, them pushing the boundaries of what they can do and being successful um, in terms of dynamic and, you know, kind of straying from the pop format. And then I would say Hello Victim is the best example of them, you know, writing a pop pop rock song. So I think that's combined word and an EP. That's. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last three songs for me are throwaways um and then you could pare down the other six to like four and and have a decent ep that i think you could look at it as like oh this is a you know a band's first ep four songs kind of interesting where they're going and kind of get interested in maybe where they're going to go next yeah sort of view from that perspective well like this album this is a short episode uh, we don't really have much else to say about Baby Chaos, but if you have an opinion on what we said about Baby Chaos, you can head on over to iTunes and drop some knowledge on us, preferably by clicking a few stars, more than a few, like four or five would be awesome. We don't want to be greedy. Four would be okay. 
Uh, and uh, that'd be great. So we're going to wrap things up. Jay, I will talk to you next week. Have a good one. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Or I always say C, but it's not C. We'll hear you all next week on Dig Me Out. Want to leave feedback? Join the conversation at digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. While you're there, support the podcast by visiting our donation and merchandise pages. And thanks for listening. Adrenaline, adrenaline, I'm my addiction.